Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right. Well, welcome to Birds of Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And as always, I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Always happy to be here so we can talk about our health, our mental health, our physical health. We always think of those. But how often do we think about our spiritual health? Today's show is going to be a special show because we're just going to talk. And I think it's going to be an important topic. Uh, it's a topic that has been brought up to my attention lately that I hadn't really thought about. And I thought, gosh, you know, maybe a lot of people have questions on this or might be struggling with this or something along those lines. But I think it's going to be important to talk about. And I think you're going to be um, pleasantly surprised with our conversation. But let's start like we always do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, <clears throat> and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks, we always get started with the Angelus. Why is the Angelus such an important prayer? Because really it's at the core of our faith. The Angelus, we say the Angelus and we say, oh yeah, a few Hail Marys and we have to say a few phrases. But the reality is, is it's the incarnation. That's what it comes down to. It's the angel declaring the incarnation of Christ, the moment when Christ was conceived. And if nothing else, you can think, if you don't pray at any other time in the year, you know, I like to pray, try to pray it at 6 a.m. and at noon and um, throughout the day, every, every day of the year. Uh, but if no other day you pray, you might want to do it March 25th. That's the day of the incarnation, nine months before Christmas, nine months before the birth of Christ. And we start with the prayer to St. Michael because we want to get God's protection. We want to ask St. Michael to protect us. He's been given the opportunity. He's been given the job, the office of being the leader of the angels because he was the one who stood up to Satan, to Lucifer when he turned into Satan and drove the other angels out of heaven down uh, to roam the earth, <clears throat> as we know from the book of Revelation. Uh, these are important prayers, and this is the way we start our show, right? Because we want to think about the incarnation, and given the idea of the incarnation, we know that Christ came here to fight uh, for our salvation, to keep us away from the clutches of hell, 
And it nicely follows that since we think about that, we say, well, what are we going to do? What kind of protection do we have? We ask for St. Michael's protection. It's important how we start things out. Why do I mention this? Because what's come up lately is we're in the middle of Lent here, and I've had people reach out to me and say, Dr. Sandoval, you know, I've been going through a tough time. I want to, my family has had issues going on. We think we're being diabolically attacked. We think that uh, there's some chaos in our household. We don't know how to get rid of it. Where do I start? I want to get back in, in, in line with God. I want to get back in line with my spiritual life. I feel like it's been failing. Or, you know what? I thought I had a good spiritual life. I've been, but gosh, I've been going through all the motions and I took a step back and realized I haven't been doing what I wanted to do. And I don't even know how to get started. How do I get started with a spiritual life? How do I even approach God? Well, <clears throat> let's talk about the things that we need to do in order to approach God. Not that I'm a pro at this, because guess what? I ask myself those questions all the time, too. You know, not always, because I think I'm doing well sometimes. And all of a sudden, I'll have a conversation with my daughter, with my wife, and realize, oh, gosh, my spiritual life isn't where I thought it was. I thought I was praying more. You know what? I've missed some days of prayer. And it just kind of slid by, and I just thought, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And I think it's easy in society to fall into that trap of, I'll eventually get to God. You know, when things settle down, we, I think that that's a, such a common um, idea for us, for myself included, for any of us. We're kind of waiting for this mythical time of things are going to settle down. I'm going to sit in my rocking chair, my sofa, my lazy boy, something comfortable, and I'm not going to have any other care in the world, and I'll be able to just focus on developing my spiritual life, playing an instrument, doing something just for myself. And I think we will get there. And I think we'll get to a, a time and place when we're going to be able to sit down, not have to worry about anything. And I think that that's called heaven. I think once we get to heaven, we're going to have all of eternity to read all the books that were ever written if we want to, or to learn how to play all the instruments if we want to, or to learn all the languages if we want to. But I think that there's this general sense of, hey, I'm waiting for this time and that's when I'm going to start living my real life. Unfortunately, life is happening now. And we got to bring it back to, wait a minute, I don't know if that time's ever going to come. Because in my life, every time I think, hey, things are getting better, things are falling into place, boy, I get a new challenge. And I think, no, everything's out of control. And then I start up and down again. And that's our life, folks. That's our spiritual life. That's our material life. That's our daily life, our mental life as well. Uh, we're going to have moments where things are great and we're on top of the world and we think, yeah, I got this. And then all of a sudden, we're going to hit, hit those valleys after the peak. And then we're going to feel sometimes lost. We're going to feel like we don't know what we're doing. We're going to feel like we don't have it all together. And like our life is a failure now because, gosh, we were doing so well. And now we're hitting bottom. But notice, notice the common theme that I'm saying as I talk about this. I say, my life is better. I'm doing well. I'm either a failure or I'm a success. Or I, I there's a lot of I, I, I there. And... I think what's important and why I liked it when somebody approached me with this question of, Dr. Sandoval, I don't know how to get started. I don't know how to get started back on my prayer life, back on getting it good with God. I don't know where to go. How do I do that? I love that question because you know why? It wasn't like I was thinking, <laughs> here's a lost person and I'm going to bring them along because I can do that. No, because I thought, gosh, they made me think about how do I get started? What am I doing in my life? Because I'm, if they're coming to my advice on this topic, I better have some kind of an answer. I better have an idea. Or do I have an idea? Or usually when somebody asks us something, we say, gosh, this is the way I do it. But I had to stop and think, how do I do it? How do I get in good with God? What's the first step I take? 
how do I, you know, when I wake up in the morning or during the day, what is it that I say, oh, okay, this is how I'm going to approach God today. Sometimes it becomes just a habit. You know, you roll out of bed and, oh, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I don't even think about what I'm doing. It's just, it's just a habit. It's such a routine. But where's the ritual? Because I think about it, it's like, how do I approach my friends? How do I know that I'm in good with my friends? How do I know that, uh, you know, I'm approaching them correctly and that I can give them a call? You know, if I did that with my friends and I just gave them a call and said, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah, are you okay? Okay, how's your family? Okay, wait a minute, hang on a second. Uh, I didn't ask you about, oh, yeah, how's your job? Wait, let me go through my checklist. Okay, I went through my checklist with you. Okay, bye, we'll talk later. I don't know if that's going to be a very fruitful relationship. And believe it or not, sometimes that's how I feel. Um, I was going to, not that we all do that. I'm sure some people are really good at this, but that's how I feel sometimes, gosh, after going to mass. Oh, I went to mass. Okay, I sat down. Uh, it was the first reading, the second reading. Oh, gosh, I forgot what the psalm was. Uh, wait, what did the priest say during the homily? Well, I was there, though. Check, check. I received communion, check, and I go home. It's very easy to fall into that routine. And we do that all the time. And we feel like, yeah, I'm in good with God, no problem. But when somebody asked me that question, something, the Holy Spirit molded a little something in me and said, hey, this is, a, this is an important topic because... You know, are you in good with God right now? Not that I'm not, but it's the question we ask ourselves. It's a general question. How do I know I'm in good with God? How do I know that I'm uh, really working on my spiritual life, especially during Lent, right? Oh, did we give up chocolate? Did we give up, um, you know, watching TV? We can give up a few things, but whatever I, it is I do during Lent, how's that getting me closer to God? Because that should be the end. The reality is when I do my Lenten resolution, I should ask myself, Okay, what am I going to do this Lent to get closer to God? Because the chocolate challenge is great. I can chocolate challenge myself, or I can TV challenge myself, or I can do a lot of my own self challenges. Um, you know, I'm not going to buy things on online for all of Lent. I'm not going to look online all of Lent. Okay, but then what's going to happen after Lent, and how am I closer to God because of that? These are important questions to ask. I'm not saying that we're going to have all the answers, but I think we can walk this journey together and ask ourselves, What's the first step I'm going to take in order to get closer to God? Like with anything else, um, before anybody starts on a journey, people come to me and say, Dr. Sandoval, I want to improve my relationship. Dr. Sandoval, I want to uh, improve my diet regimen. Dr. Sandoval, I want to improve my, uh, my time at work. Whatever it is, the first question I have to ask and I ask them is, okay, we want to improve these things, and that is great. I think that we should always improve these things. But before we even start this journey, we have to prepare ourselves. It's like going on a hike, right? If I'm going to go on a hike, I got to say, well, where am I going? Where's the, what road do I want to take? What, where do I want to go on this hike? What's, what's the end goal? And before I go on this hike, if I know that I'm going to be on a desert road, I better know I have water, right? Uh, if I know I'm going to be in the forest, maybe I'm going to have a, a poncho or something for rain or something to some, a nice warm coat in case it, it snows. I don't know where I'm going to be. So we got to ask ourselves, am I prepared? How do I prepare for this journey? Well, what journey are we going to go on? Now let's take it a step back even further before we even get to that preparation. The main thing I ask people is, what is going to prevent you from starting on this journey? Not from even reaching your goal yet. Keep that in mind because a lot of times we say, oh, what's going to prevent you from reaching this goal? What's going to prevent you from getting closer to God? But the first question I ask is, what's going to prevent you from even starting to try to get closer to God? Okay, so we got to ask ourselves, is there anything, is there a roadblock that I don't even want to start on this journey yet? I'm not, I can't even prepare for the journey if I'm not committed to it. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about 
What are the things that can prevent us from wanting to get closer to God? How do we prepare on our journey? And really, what's our more after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I am your host as always, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Today, we are talking about how do I start the journey towards God? You know, God is already there. That's the funny part. When we think about journeying towards God, God is already around us. God is there. He's just waiting for us to turn to him. It's us who kind of fluctuate back and forth, right? Sometimes I'm feeling like, yeah, boy, I'm going to get on my Bible readings. I'm going to get on uh, making sure that uh, I'm saying my prayers. I'm going to start really my day and end my day with God, and I'm going to live the life of a monk. But the reality is I'm not a monk. I've, I've got a job I got to get to. I've got to get on, on the road, and I got to drive, and I got to fight traffic and get frustrated when people cut me off or think about cutting people off or whatever it is that's going on, and I get back into that regular everyday human routine mode and god is by the wayside right gotta take my kids to school gotta hopefully pay attention to my wife and listen to her and and see what's going on oh my gosh it's too much and notice that i haven't even mentioned god in any of that get into the routine and it's not like i'm saying wow god thank you for putting me on this road to a job and thank you for letting me have a job i'm not always there right so here's the question we're going to start this journey towards god we're going to start any journey What's going to prevent us from starting the journey? You know, sometimes we think, okay, I'm going to start this journey and I'm going to prepare for it. But what's preventing us from even preparing for the journey? Usually I think there's three things, three very normal, natural human emotions um, that are going to prevent us from this. Now, some people will tell me, believe it or not, some people will tell me, well, Dr. Sandoval, I suffer from mental illness, so I can't do this. No, that's no excuse. Getting closer to God has nothing to do with necessarily suffering from mental illness, unless, of course... You are like some of the patients who I have to see who unfortunately are so severely mentally ill that they can't even think for themselves. They can't think straight. Um, they're so limited in their capacity. You know, you can't really uh, hold them accountable for their thoughts or things like that. No, it's a little bit more challenging. Ask yourself, if I committed a crime, would I be held accountable for it in court? If I would, then I've got the capacity to understand right from wrong. I've got the capacity to be able to go on this journey. The reason I say that is not to be mean. Well, geez, Dr. Sandoval, you're being insensitive to people with mental illness. No, not at all. The reason I say that is because the reality is, as we go on this journey with God, life is still going to happen. We can get sick, not just with mental illness, but what if all of a sudden you have a physical ailment? What if all of a sudden you get in a car accident? What if all of a sudden uh, something bad happens at work? There's lots of things that, shall we say, will throw us off the wagon. But there's always an excuse, just like anybody who's suffering from addiction. I had a lot of friends and, and patients who are who suffer from alcoholism. And they'll tell me, you know, I go back on this, I go back on the wagon, as they say, I, I'm not going to drink anymore or anything like that. And I'm pretty good for a little while. But then something happens, my, my boss upset me or something as simple as somebody cut me off on the road. Believe it or not, that was one person's excuse. And they say, anything's an excuse to drink again. I can't believe they did that. Oh, I'm going to go have a drink now because you see life is not fair. Why should I keep doing this? And I think that's easy to happen in our journeys with God. Maybe not directly where I say, oh, this happened. And so, gosh, it's not worth it to follow God. But sometimes indirectly where this happened, I have to put all my focus on this one incident. I can't focus on on getting closer to God right now because I got to take care of this, you know, got it rear-ended or something. And now I got to call the insurance company. I got, I can't focus on God right now. I got to do all these other things. And we forget that. No, God is happening at that time. In fact, I got to bring God along. In fact, 
I actually have to bring my life along to my relationship with God. So it's actually the other way around when we get to that end goal. It's saying, hey, I just got rear-ended. Okay, well, I've been talking to God right now, and so God's going to help me take care of this. Yeah, i got to make some phone calls. God, help me make these phone calls. And God, I'm bringing you along with this. It's kind of like having a friend there talking all the time. But how do we get there? So this is where I'm saying we can't always rely on excuses of, oh, this or that, because that's going to make us veer from our path and make us kind of put it to the side. But how do we prepare? What's keeping us from preparing? Well, that's part of it. I think there's three things really that keep us from it. The first one common with any undertaking uh, is fear, really to be afraid. You know, I, gosh, I want to get closer to God, but I'm afraid uh, to do that. And we can be afraid of different things. I can be afraid of God, not have fear of God, which is very different and very healthy and actually necessary. And, you know, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit to have that respect for God, fear in the sense of respect and awe of God and realize how small I am in the presence of God. That's a really good thing, because if I go up to a mountain and people say, hey, Dr. Samuel, you got to go hike this mountain. I better find myself small up to that mountain because I'll go ahead and hike it. But I got to show some respect and realize I'm going to hike that mountain. I better have some gear and I, I got to look at what's going on here. That's kind of scary. I'm, I can be afraid or I can have fear of the mountain and say, I'm going to do this. But I realize I might need some healthy pair of boots and maybe a grappling hook and maybe a backpack and maybe, you know, so I'm already thinking about preparing because I got over the fear. So the first thing that can keep us from going on this journey is just being afraid. Let's look at a few definitions of fear. Now, remember, fear of God, the way we talk about it, in fact, in terms of respecting God, that's really good. That's really healthy, and we want that. That means God is good. I respect that, and I understand that I have to come in with humility to God. But being afraid is different. Being afraid, this is just a general uh, Google search here uh, so that anybody can look this up. Don't think that I've got this fancy bag of tricks. So being afraid is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Sometimes I think that we have that we are afraid of God, right? Because we say, gosh, I'm not perfect. I know I haven't been living up to the commandments. I know I haven't been living up to the Beatitudes. I know I haven't done the works of mercy. I know I haven't done the uh, the spiritual works of mercy, the, the corporal works of mercy. I feel like I've just, you know, in fact, I, I said things against God. I knew that something was a sin, and I said, I don't care what God thinks. Whatever it is, now I'm afraid, right? Who were the first people who were afraid? Adam and Eve. Remember, they were hiding from God. They were afraid in that garden. So, And notice that that prevented them, before they could even think about journeying towards God, fear was the first thing they went to go hide. They didn't even want to be near God. It prevented them from even starting that journey, right? So I think fear is a big one. So I gave you the noun, the unpleasant emotion, but what about to be afraid? This is a good example, or it's good to hear these definitions, I think, because hopefully it'll resound with people. So now I'll give you the verb to be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening, right? To, let me read that again, because this is important. To be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. It's interesting because we think we think that of God sometimes. We think that God's going to cause us pain. God's going to be threatening. God is dangerous because he's going to send us to hell. Sometimes we think that, right? Oh, I can't go before God. And when the complete opposite is true, right? So you're, sometimes we say, oh, I can't be with God. So I'm going to go live a life of sin anyway, which means that I'm with the devil or I'm headed down the path of hell anyway, but that doesn't scare me. I'm going to go drink. I'm going to go canoodle. And I'm going to go have whatever life I want to have because I'm afraid. I'm too afraid to turn to God. Well, isn't that ironic? 
right? That fear is keeping me from turning to God when the reality is God is all good. God is the one who wants me to go to heaven. God's going to show me what I have to do, and that's going to hurt. And sometimes I think we're afraid of that uh, sense of, holy cow, I've sinned. I'm going to come face to face with my conscience, and I'm going to have to do something about it. I'm afraid of that, right? But we put that off, and we decide, well, I'm going to live a life of, of debauchery anyway and sin. I think that's what we should be really more afraid of, because if I live this life of debauchery, this life of sin, this life that I know is not bringing me closer to God, because I'm afraid of God, because God's so terrible and mean, and he's going to send me to hell, but yet I'm fulfilling my own prophecy. I'm living this life, and who am I going to come to face with? face to face with? I'm going to come face to face with the devil, and I'm not afraid of the devil. Now the devil, let's look at the definition. Should I be afraid? Is the devil dangerous, painful, or threatening? The devil offers me nothing good. So this is where our human minds need to shift gears, right? Anytime we're in deliverance, anytime we work in that, and we see that there is something demonic there, it usually started by somebody thinking it was something good. No, no, you know, I was just going to play the Ouija board. I just needed to know. I needed to find some answers. I was reading my horoscope because I was really relying on that to guide me through life. No, 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 no. I, you know, I held on to this anger and I was cursing uh, my friend. Uh, I didn't mean to put a demonic curse on him, but I said, you know, I don't want them to have anything good. I held on to this anger, and little did I know I was creating a curse for them. But it felt good at the time. It looked good, or the Ouija board just gave me a quick answer. But no, 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 I didn't want anything bad or painful to happen to me. But we go down that road, right? Initially, it looks good, just like in the garden, right? When Eve saw the fruit, she said it looked good and tasty, right? The demon made it look really, really good. And what happened? Fell from grace. <clears throat> Ironically, our broken natures are such that we sense more, we have more of a sense of being afraid of God, when all of a sudden, Adam and Eve, God comes around the garden, they're afraid, and what does God do? Does God send them to hell? No. He says, you can't be in the garden because there are some rules here. It's no different than if I tell my kids, look, you can't be doing heroin and live in my home, right? It doesn't work that way. It's painful for me to see you go. It must have been painful for God to tell them you can't be in the garden, but what does God do? God restores them to dignity. God makes them clothing, and he says, yes, there are consequences to what you did, but I'm going to send you my son to bring you back, to get you back to heaven, to get you eternal life still. You're not done. And that's what God's going to tell us. Yeah, you might have to make up for your sins, but I'm going to restore you. That's powerful. That's powerful because that's how deep the love of God is. But us being afraid of God, I would say, is the first thing that would prevent us from even starting that journey. All right. What's the second thing? I would say once we'll put the fear in one category, but now the, once we kind of deal with the fear, Okay, God's going to love me, so I'm going to go on this. I think the next thing is a sense of insecurity, right? So insecurity happens all the time. Why? Because we're going to start something new. We're going to go on a new venture. And believe it or not, I don't know how it is for you guys, but for me, it feels like every time I want to get back in with God and I want to go deep into my spiritual life, it feels like I'm starting again every single time. Like I have all the tools. I know I've got my Bible, my prayer group, my prayer books, my uh, rosary and whatnot. But it feels like, okay, I'm going to start this journey. I feel like I'm starting again. It's ironic because it's like I've been here before, but like I got to start over. Okay. So a sense of insecurity though, let's read what insecurity is and see if maybe anybody has felt this way before starting your journey. So insecurity is uncertainty or anxiety about oneself or a lack of confidence, right? A sense of insecurity like, okay, well, I know that God's going to bring me in. So let's get over the fear so I can start this journey. But now I wonder, can I really do this? Can I can I really go on this journey? I, I don't think I can. I don't think I can climb that mountain. If I go up, look at that mountain. Gosh, it's so big. 
You know, the mountain is big. I'm not afraid of the mountain. I'm I'm not sure that I can do it. What if I'm not strong enough? What if I take a step and I and I fall and, and I slide down on that mountain? You know, is that what, what good is that? Well, let's see. So I gave you uh, one of the definitions: uncertainty or anxiety about oneself, lack of confidence. Let me give you another definition: the state of being open to danger or threat, lack of protection. So that's the other insecurity, right? I'm open to dangerousness and I'm open to threats. If I do this, if I do this, what kind of dangerous or threats can we possibly have if I'm going to go on my journey with God? Well, guess what? If I start on this journey with God, it means that I might not be able to tell the same jokes around the people I used to tell. And they're going to notice a difference. And I'm worried that that's going to threaten my friendship with them or the way that they see me. Uh, I'm worried that I'm not going to have that protection at work because they're not going to be my friends anymore. Uh, I think in case something, let's say the position comes up at work where I could have moved forward or advanced my career, well, they're going to pass me up because, gosh, I'm not in that crowd anymore. And that can happen. You know, we start getting that insecurity because usually if we're going to start a journey with God, we get insecure about losing the things of this world. So I think those are a couple of the first things. There's one more. I see that the break's coming up. We'll talk about one more because it's going to uh, uh, bridge us into how do we prepare for this once we get past these uh, three roadblocks for us. But it's very common to have roadblocks. It's very common to feel feel like I'm going to start this journey, but I don't even think I can. But the most important thing is how do we get past those so we can be on our way towards that? More after the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about how do I get on that journey with God? How do I move forward and realize that, gosh, I need to get back in, in that good graces with God and my relationship with God? What is it that I need to do? But we're talking about what are the roadblocks to even start that journey, right? So we're going to finish off this uh, uh, segment here on the roadblocks. Um, to even start that journey. Remember, if you were listening to us before, we said fear is going to be the big one, right? I'm just afraid to even start that. I'm afraid that God's not going to be happy with me. I'm afraid lots of different things that we're going to be afraid of that we need to push to the side because usually whatever we're afraid of when it comes to God is probably not accurate. God is all love. We're the ones who feel that sense of, of fear, that sense of uh, going back and forth because we know what it's like to not love. We know what it's like to push people away. We know what it's like to uh, not be that, um, not have that sense of welcoming, right? If somebody does us wrong, what do we do? Boy, we're hesitant. We're, we, we don't want to uh, start that relationship right away because if they come back and they apologize. Can I trust that they're truly, you know, have their heart in a good place? That's how we are as human beings. We're, we're always cautious and worried. God isn't like that. God says, hey, I'm here. Come on back towards me. And even if you're going to hurt me, I'm still here. Right. God says, I, I'm willing to take that risk. We we have to understand who God is uh, so that we can overcome that sense of fear. There's that sense of insecurity. Will I, I be strong enough to do it? Is it possible for me to do that? You know, I don't know that I can. Well, as they say, we never know unless we try. Right. So we got to get past that sense of insecurity and say, you know what? I'm going to give it the old school try. I'm going to start on my dream. And the last thing that we might feel is so fear and security. And then we might fear anxiety. Right. How's anxiety different from all these things? Well, let's read about anxiety a little bit. Anxiety is what we feel when we are worried, tense, or afraid. So a little bit different from fear. Fear is really the threat of something. I'm, I have I, I have a sense of a threat. Fear is there's a lion in front of me, 
and he's going to eat me. So I am afraid, right? I start on the journey towards God. I'm going to have that sense of fear, not the respect one, but the one that I don't want to have because I sense that I'm going to go closer to God, but I feel like he's going to do something to me. Anxiety is more a fear of the unknown. It's being worried about the unknown. Um, and so it's a, let me read, this is just, again, a general search here on our Google friend. Anxiety is what we feel when we are worried, tense, or afraid, particularly about things that are about to happen or which we think could happen in the future. The thing about anxiety is that it's really not productive because I'm afraid of something that could possibly happen. I'm, I'm afraid of a hypothetical. It's, uh, this is where it can get pathological. And this is where sometimes people do need help psychiatrically. Medication can help. Um, but it's like saying, you know what? I drive to work every day and I have to go on a bridge. And I have a lot of anxiety that that bridge could fall. And sometimes I don't even take it because it's going to fall. And now I'm not even going to go to work because I have to cross a bridge on my way there. And that bridge is going to fall someday. I just know it. And we say, yeah, but you know what? A lot of people go across that bridge. Could it possibly fall? Potentially, there's that risk. Uh, but is it going to happen to you today? Not likely, because how many days have gone by that this has not fallen? Now, is it possible? Could it fall one day? You're going to turn around and say, you see, I told you so. Sure. But that's not how we're going to live our lives. If you live here in California, we're always preparing for earthquakes. Do I live a paralyzed life where I don't leave my house and I'm always under a table? So they used to teach us in school, you got to tuck under your desk. I don't know how much that would have helped during a major earthquake, but hey, we were doing something, right? It's kind of like the old preparations for a potential nuclear war. Get under your desk. Well, don't know how much help that'll be, but yeah, it'll prevent things from falling on you. But either way, I don't live here every day thinking, well, there's going to be an earthquake today, so I'm not going to move. No, we need to continue the journey. We need to continue this journey because this anxiety can overtake people and it can be very overpowering to the point where we're paralyzed. We don't do anything and we just feel like I can't even start this journey with God, right? Because I'm so worried that something's going to happen. You know what? I'm so worried I'm going to sin. I'm so worried I'm going to offend God more. I'm so worried that, you know, what God's telling us at that point, he's saying, I think that you starting on that journey is worth whatever offense you're going to do because my mercy is greater than whatever offense you could possibly, possibly have, right? This is important. It's important to remember this and to consider this because God is always going to hold us in a loving way. And in fact, God already knows that we're going to fail on this journey every now and then. I don't think he's worried so much. If we understand the way God's love works, he's not so worried, so, so worried about us failing that he's not going to let us fail. Does that make sense? In other words, God's saying, I already know that there's a potential for you to fall. Heck, we're going to climb a mountain, right? This is a journey towards God. The, really, the journey towards God is climbing a mountain. And we see this in the Bible. Um, what is this journey? Is it a beautiful road where it's wide open and nice and flat? And we got the breeze on our back, the sun on our back, right? A little bit of uh, uh, rainfall, nice and light every now and then to refresh us from the warmth of the sun and a little ocean breeze on us. That's not the journey towards God. If we look at the Bible, how did Moses get the Ten Commandments? He had to climb to the top of the mountain, right? As we're climbing to the top of the mountain, you know, this is this is where we're going to encounter pitfalls and dangers and whatnot. But we got to overcome our first roadblock. So I always think those roadblocks are fear, insecurity, and a generalized anxiety. Not clinical anxiety, but just general anxiety where ugh, I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm not even going to start it. So we got to overcome that first. So here we are in Lent. I want to get closer to God. How am I going to do it? Okay, well, let's get rid of the fear. I know that God loves me. Okay, let's get rid of the insecurities. 
I'm going to take this one step at a time. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to put one foot forward at a time, and I'm not going to worry about making this a sprint. Remember, St. Paul tells us it's a marathon. He doesn't say it's a sprint. A marathon, you got to pace yourself, right? you got to start, and you got to pace yourself. you got to conserve that energy because you want to have energy towards the end. So, okay, I'm going to do that. So let's get rid of the fear. Let's get rid of the insecurity. And now the anxiety. Boy, I'm worried. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but am I up for the adventure? If somebody were to tell me, hey, we're going to go to an amusement park, we're going to get on some rides. I don't know what's going to happen, but it sounds like it's going to be kind of fun. You know, there's going to be moments where we're going to get on good rides. Do I think that there's going to be something positive at the end of this journey? I think we need to find the positivity to even get started and realize, well, you know what? Is getting closer to God worth the pain that I might feel? God is saying, yeah, because guess what? You getting closer to me is worth whatever pain I might feel from your sins. And so this is where we're both kind of in this relationship where we're saying, is it worth it to come closer to each other? I think it is. There's going to be pain involved. I might hurt you, God. I don't know that I'm going to do, I'm not, I might not be perfect. I might hurt you along the way. And God's saying, I love you so much that it's worth it. It's kind of like a parent to a child, right? God's our, our father. And if I see my kids and they say, gosh, I might do something wrong or this or that, but you know what? I'm going to help you reach your goal. And yeah, you're not going to be perfect at it, but we're going to do this together. And it might hurt, but I'll forgive you all the time. As my kids, there's nothing, there's not a whole lot they can do to, to not earn my forgiveness and love. And there's a whole lot they can do to hurt me. Believe it or not, it's one of the funniest things I appreciated as a parent is how sometimes even like a little three-year-old, four-year-old can say something mean as little three and four-year-olds will in the middle of a tantrum or things like that. And it actually hurts. And it's like, wait a minute, you're three, four years old, but you just hurt my feelings. What is going on there? You know, how is that even possible? I'm the adult here, right? But no, God knows that. God is going to say, just like a kid can hurt you, you can hurt me too. But I love you, and I'm going to get over it if, as long as you're sorry and you come back towards me. How many times do little kids say, yeah, they're sorry? And the kid can get throw a tantrum and get mad at me, but as soon as something scary comes around the corner or on TV or they hear a loud noise, boy, they come running right back to me right at that moment. They might have said whatever they said that I'm mean or they don't love me during the tantrum, but they're going to run right back. That's how we are with God, right? All of a sudden, we get scared enough, and we run back to God when we realize that God is all good and he's the only one who's going to protect us. Okay. We get past these roadblocks. How do I start my journey? How now I'm ready to start my journey. How do I go up this mountain? Believe it or not, it can feel overwhelming. I look at the mountain, right? I'm looking at the peak and boy, that's a high peak. I don't know that I can go up this peak. You know, this is our human psychology here. Feel overwhelmed hitting those roadblocks again. Nope. Nope. I'm past the roadblocks. I'm not going to do the roadblocks. Well, guess what? I'm going to look to see if there is a trail. Has anybody gone up this mountain before me? If they have, they've probably just, you know, forged a trail. There's probably some kind of a trail going up the mountain that I can find, right? That's really what it comes down to because I can start my own trail, but it's going to be, I'm going to slip and fall as soon as I take my first step. The mountain has not been proven. That road, I'm going to create my own road. I could try to do that, but that's going to be kind of rough. If I look around, there might be some mountain paths, some roads. Not that they're not dangerous, not that they're going to be flat, but I can see where people have taken their footsteps before uh, I have. So believe it or not, this is where we say, let's read the lives of saints. They've gone up this mountain. They've taken a few steps. I think the first thing I'm going to do is evaluate, gosh, if I don't even feel like I'm ready or worthy to be in front of God myself and take my own steps, well, I got to look around and say, has anybody taken this journey before, right? We study the situation. So I'm going to take a look at the lives of saints and what did they do? 
well, gosh, if I look at the lives of most saints, they all became nuns and priests. So that means I have to abandon my family and I have to go join a monastery somewhere or go be a priest somewhere. Not necessarily the case. That's not that's not the, the facts of life. That's not the truth. The important thing, the most important thing is to say, well, what did these people do? Um, and how can I apply that to my life? I don't have to change my life so radically that I say, this is it. It's uh, I, I have to abandon everything that I have and ignore my family. In fact, God wouldn't even want us to do that. But what I do have to say is, <clears throat> what's the first steps they took? What were their methods? Did they try? If you look at more, most saints, um, it can seem almost impossible because you know why? We love to focus on the big things. Just like in deliverance, you know, we're, we're there where we, uh, all the questions I get whenever it comes to, oh my goodness, you've been in exorcism sessions? The big questions I get is, what did you see? Did the person levitate? Did you see anything? What's the coolest thing you saw? There's nothing cool about being in the sewer, right? So it's like asking me, I mean, in our human minds, the demon knows that they're going to get our attention. And that's why they ask these questions, right? And or people, we ask these questions as people. I used to ask those questions all the time too. But after a while you do this and you realize, trust me, it's just pest control. You're just trying to get the rats out of the sewage and, and you're moving through sewage. And if you have rats in the uh, attic or around the house, it's just pest control. We're trying to get all the barmen out. And then that way you can live a happy life, right? When you're in a home, is that all you focus on the rats or the pests or, you know, the termites or whatever? No, we try to get rid of them. That's all exorcism really is. It's like get rid of the varmint so that I can enjoy the home so I can live a good life. Well, it's the same thing with the saints. I think just the opposite. It's easy for us to focus on what are the miracles that Padre Pio did? This other saint, they levitated while they were praying. This other saint, they bilocated. Oh my goodness, I could never do that. Sure, we're looking at putting these heights of, of expectation of what we're supposed to do, when the reality is that's not really what's going to happen. The most important thing is to get our life in order, to take that first step, to prepare. What is it that I need? Read the lives of saints, get some holy water, get my Bible, start reading something. And we're going to talk about how to do that when we come back from the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about how do I climb that mountain to get closer to God. We talked about getting rid of the roadblocks. We're talking right now about how do I prepare to climb that mountain? What do I do as I take those first steps? It's very simple. It's not that hard. I always look at it like this. We're body, mind, and spirit, right? All at the same time. Well, and what's most before us is the body. What can I do materially to prepare to climb this mountain? Well, the reality is if I'm going to climb a mountain, I don't necessarily want to carry that much stuff, right? I can't have a huge backpack that's so heavy that I can't go up the mountain, right? So what is it that I need to do? <clears throat> I need to decide what is essential on my journey. And the reality is that's the first thing we need to, to decide for ourselves in our regular lives is how many material goods do I really need? Believe it or not, if we just organize our lives and we just clean up our lives around us, St. Teresa Lisieux, so this is the next part I was going to say, how do I do that? I use the examples of saints, and I love the little flower, St. Teresa Lisieux, because she has a simple way. She makes it so that it's easy to get to climb up that mountain. She really is saying, well, just take one step, and then just take your next step, but make it a secure step. So I was reading this article about hers, and she says there's three things that she says to do to start on this journey. The first one is detachment from material possessions. 
If I'm going to climb up this mountain materially for my body, get rid of any of the material possessions. Okay, so we can start do we can start just by that. And in fact, not only that, you know what she used to do? She used to say I should get closer to God just by putting things in order. I believe it was don't trust me on this, but the idea is a pen, a paperclip, something along those lines that she said. I know that if I just put this in its right place, I'm already creating order and I'm getting closer to God. Put everything in its right place. And if we have too many, so many things that we can't even put them in our right place, do we really need all these things? I think as we get closer to God, we start to separate ourselves from the material. Our heart will be closer to the spiritual. The second thing she says is poverty of spirit. As we climb up this mountain, remember, as I go up these steps, there's going to be moments where what I do might not be popular to the outside world. I got to realize I'm getting closer to God, right? I've made that decision and people might not like it. They, they might say that I'm doing something wrong or tell me to give it up and get closer to them. No, what I need to do is have that poverty of spirit, have that sense of, I don't need anything from this world. I already, I'm already removing the material. Now I also don't need to care about what people think about me. I'm not going to compare myself to other people. I'm not going to say, how come this person has an easier life than I am? Why is it that this person has uh, more than I do? It seems that way, but I'm not in their shoes. You know, the grass is always greener kind of deal. I need to start with this attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful for what I do have. I'm thankful for the things that God gave me. These are the things that I need to take along with me on this journey. So what do I put in my bag? I have one bag to just keep one bag. That's all I need. Keep it simple materially. And what am I going to fill it with? I'm going to fill it with simplicity of heart, with poverty of spirit, and with gratitude. God, you gave me existence. I'm going to start there. This is how I'm going to start my journey with God. I'm going to say, hey, God, you gave me life. I didn't always exist. You actually gave me life. This is, we never stop to think about that. We're, we just take life so for granted that I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go do that. And we never stop to think, wow, I exist. What does that mean in my life? What does that mean? Why would God give me this uh, uh, existence? We stopped asking these philosophical questions because we got so busy trying to figure out how to work the internet. And these things happen. You know, it's just part of our human nature. We're going to get involved with these things. But it's our time right now. If we say, hey, it's Lent, I'm going to get closer to God. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop and think and realize I have life. I share life. And right now on this earth, I am sharing this moment of existence with all these other people. I could have shared this at a different time, but God put me on this earth now for a particular purpose, for a particular reason. He wants me to climb this mountain now, and somehow he's going to be there with me. So these are the main things that we need. We need to kind of get rid of the material or ask ourselves materially, where are we at? Is my spirit turned to God or is it turned to my material goods? That's the first thing, first place I would start. Then I would say I need to have a humble heart. I need to have poverty of spirit. And then once I do that, I have to be grateful for anything I do have. Lower my expectations. Not to say lower my standards. That's a big difference. Lower my expectations means, you know what? I keep thinking, oh, I need to have this. I need to have a nicer car, a bigger house. I need to have more friends. No, 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 no. All I need is whatever is going to happen today. Now, all these things are easy to say. They're harder to do. Why? Because as I turn my heart towards God and as I have this right disposition, what's going to happen? Well, just like Christ on Mount Tabor, as he started his journey, Christ is preparing. He's fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. He's hungry. He's tired. And what happens at that moment? Temptation. The demon's going to come. This is what's going to happen on our journey on that mountain. Believe it or not, the demon's going to come, and he's going to say, oh, you think you're holy. 
Oh, you think you're going to be closer to God. Mm, well, that's not in my plans. My plans is to keep you down. Remember that all that fear we used to have of God, that he's going to send us to hell, that he's going to do this. And as we're getting closer to God, now what happens? Ah, now the demon starts to show his ugly head and say, oh, you weren't afraid of me before. Well, I'm going to tempt you and I'm going to bring you in back down that mountain, down towards me. Now, here's the challenging part with that. The challenging part is that the things are going to look good first. Remember, we said that. We said the devil always makes what's bad look good. And that's a reality. They used to say, oh, the, de the devil's biggest trick is trying to get you to uh, believe he doesn't exist. I don't think that's the case anymore. We see it everywhere. If you look on TV, different programs, different shows, the devil's everywhere. The devil's actually trendy. I saw some guy wearing a T-shirt about the devil, um, you know, just in general. You know, there's we see in the news all the time that there's different satanic sects trying to get into government, into schools, into different things. Very much in your face. There's no sense of uh, the old school fear of, oh, my goodness, there's a devil, there's Satanism, and holy cow, we're going to run away and we're going to go to church. Now it just seems like it's casual, like it's just trendy, like it's just another thing to do. Hey, devil's there. No big deal. I think now that the biggest trick the devil has is to tell you he's not the bad guy. That's really the reality. It's kind of like when he told Eve, oh, is that really what God told you? But that's not the truth. God told you not to eat of that fruit. Ah, uh, it's because he's trying to. He doesn't want you to have a good time. He doesn't want you to be like himself. He doesn't want you to know the difference between good and evil. Trust me, that's a good thing, right? So the devil's going to tell you that that's something good. That turning away from God is something good. Here we were with our hearts already disposed to God, gentle in spirit, divesting ourselves of material goods. All I have in my backpack is a humble heart, a Bible, read the word of God, maybe a few lives of saints so that I can understand this path, this journey. And then what's going to happen? Temptation is going to happen, right? This is where we're going to get into those rough spots in the mountain because if we're going up the mountain. We're going to see some parts. We're going to see roads in the mountain that look much nicer. Uh, but little did we know we're going to slide down that side because, oh gosh, that part of the mountain looks really nice to, to climb. It's a flat road. And look, there's some fruit there. I just have to stretch out just a little extra to catch that fruit and boom, we're going to fall. And then what happens? We slide down the mountain and we go back up. Well, guess what? When we slide that down that mountain, we're going to see that there's other slide marks there too. Other people have fallen there too. We got to remember that. But now that we've fallen, we got to see what do these people do? There's going to be a couple of slide marks that go all the way back down the mountain, but then there's going to be a few paths that go back on the mountain. We got to get back on that horse and we're going to say, hey, that's not as nice as the path I was on before. Now I got to recover, but I got to make a choice. Do I go all the way back down the mountain or am I getting closer to God? Well, we got to be aware now that we've prepared, we're going to read the word of God. We're going to say, Jesus truly loves me. And the Bible verse that I love is just the first chapter of John. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the darkness could not overcome it. That's really, we got, got to remember, that's our journey. That's where I'm headed towards. I'm headed towards the light that could not be overcome by darkness, right? As I go up that mountain, I'm going to see the light of God. Well, what are a few of the ways that the devil might tempt us as we're on this mountain? We're going to go up this path. And it's going to be like a Pinocchio road. All of a sudden, we're going to school, and a couple of guys come and tell us, no, there's a much better place to go, but you're going to become a donkey. Little do you know. Well, what can come before us? There's a nice article here. It just gives five general ways, which is are very true uh, on how the devil tempts us. Let's look through these because these are going to be the five pitfalls as we go up the mountain. The first one is that the devil tempts us to hold on to transgressions against us and fail to forgive others. In other words... 
as we're climbing this mountain, we're going to see our shortcomings, right? Somebody's going to be better at climbing with their arms. Somebody's going to be better at climbing with their legs. Somebody's going to be better at doing different things. And we're going to remember as we're climbing where our weaknesses lie, where we've fallen in the past, what sins we have. And all of a sudden, we're going to feel like we're not worthy. We're not good enough. We're going to hold on to this instead of forgiving ourselves. So we've got to start by forgiving ourselves, being gentle with ourselves. But <clears throat> even more dangerous and that we can hold on to is not forgiving others. Because we can be very gentle with ourselves and say, but I didn't mean to. No, but that was different. No, but see, I have an excuse for what I did. But we don't always give that excuse to others, right? We don't always let others slide and say, oh, I understand you were not in a good place. Gosh, I've been there before. No, we can be really hard on other people. And we can say, I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to hold on to this grudge. And we see that a lot in deliverance ministry, where a lot of the problems that people come to us with, or a lot of the reasons people have um, uh, maladies or demons attached to them or evil spirits attached to them, or just a general sense of, of pitfall, is because the, uh, the, they're holding on to stuff. They're holding on to grudges. They're holding on to not forgiving other people. Unforgiveness is a big deal. So this is what we need to divest ourselves of. As we look at the possible temptations, I think they're actually roadmaps to say, what do I need to keep getting rid of as I climb this mountain? So the first one is forgiveness. Forgiveness is our, of ourselves, forgiveness of others, because as we're going up this journey, we're hoping that God forgives us, right? That's the big thing. We're looking to God to forgive us. Now, what's the next one? The devil lies to us about what will make us happy. This is classic. We just got rid of the material goods. We just made ourselves humble of heart. We're trying to be happy in the simplicity of life, saying, gosh, we just I'm happy that I just exist and that I'm in God's presence. And the devil's going to tell you, you know what? That's not good enough. I think you're going to be happier if you take on more responsibility at work and get a higher title and, and uh, uh, you know, people are going to look up to you, love you, and, and worship you. That's really what you need, right? Little do they tell you, oh, it's going to take you away from your wife, your kids, your family, and all you're going to do is work the rest of your life because you're holding on to this need to be admired, right? Or the devil's going to tell you, no, that's not what's going to make you happy. You need to uh, watch pornography. That's what's going to make you happy. It's going to make you feel better, right? Because you're feeling kind of down. You're feeling anxious or something. But guess what? Don't you always feel much better when when you're scintillated and, and your uh, senses are up, and right? Isn't that what makes you feel good? But then all of a sudden, we start to feel like, oh, no, now I'm no good. I don't feel good at all, right? I feel down and dirty. The next temptation is he tempts us to stir up division between one another. Conflict. Right, because that person is wrong. You're right. You have to be in the right. You have to tell them that you're right. There's two more. The devil tempts us to be afraid and be discouraged. Remember, we started with those roadblocks. We got rid of those roadblocks. The devil wants you all the way back to before you even started that mountain journey. Be afraid. God's never going to forgive you. You're already got one foot in hell. Just come on back with me, and I'll just put the second one in there. Right. And lastly, the devil lies to us about what freedom really is. This mountain is too hard to climb. Wouldn't you just rather coast? Come on my way. Don't worry about climbing this high mountain. Oh, no, brothers and sisters, folks here, my fellow uh, listeners here on Virgin Must Power for Radio, let's remember this. The journey is a challenging one. The journey to God is one challenging journey up a mountain. But we're going to take it one step at a time. We're going to read our Bible. We're going to look at the lives of saints. And we're going to trust in God that through prayer, we're going to get closer to him during this lesson. This is Dr. Sandoval saying, until next week, let's keep it Catholic.